I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Today's episode is a bonus episode from when I was a guest on Justin Brady's podcast, The Justin Brady Show. I hope you enjoy it. And please make sure to tune in on Monday for the next episode of The Kara Golden Show. Have a terrific weekend. It is the Justin Brady Show, like that first nice spring day after a harsh, cold winter. This is the podcast that amplifies the best ideas, companies, people, and entrepreneurs on earth. Thank you so much for joining me again and again and again. And thank you for quickly hitting that subscribe button. And you know what? Go ahead and give the show five stars. I guess that does something with algorithms and crap that ranks the show higher. So because I don't do advertising, that's really the only payment I ask for. That's it. One of the things that's thrown out all the time about being an entrepreneur is the ups and downs and challenges and setbacks. And then no one actually talks about it. Like they, We know it exists, but no one goes into the detail. No one gives you a proper roadmap. And no one really says what that will or will not look like. So when you do come up to the challenges that are inevitable, you have no idea if this is one of those challenges people told you about or if this is detrimental to your company. Today, who is addressing that with me is Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint, and also author of Undaunted and host of The Kara Golden Show. Kara, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to be here. Like I said off air, I don't know if we can call it air. I'm an old radio guy, so I still call it that. (laughs) But like I said, I read through the whole book. It's absolutely fantastic. And if there's nothing else we get out of the interview today, which I know is not true, but if there's nothing else anyone gets out of the interview today, it's your book should be number one recommended reading for all entrepreneurs throughout the world. Hands down. Oh, thank you so much. That makes me feel so good (laughs) this day for sure. (laughs) I mean, I have a lot of questions. Like I told you earlier, I have maybe two to three hours of questions, but we're not going to get through all of it. Just last week, I was talking to a group of entrepreneurs and they were struggling with the overlap of personal story and business story. And one of the things you talk about in this book is how you probably should bring your personal story into a company story. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I started Hint uh, 16 and a half years ago and my intention back then was never to, you know, bring my story in. But I felt like just by sharing my story, people got what I was doing. And Hint, for those who aren't familiar with Hint, it is an unsweetened flavored water. I had this idea when I was giving up Diet Coke to start drinking plain water, but I found plain water exceptionally boring. So I (laughs) was drinking Diet Soda. And when I decided it was time for me to give it up, I didn't like all the ingredients that I had been putting in my body for years and years. That's when I thought, okay, I solved one problem. Now I've got to solve this other problem of finding a way to drink boring old water. So I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in water. And little did I know that I was not only starting 
a new company when I decided to hang a shingle and start Hint, but also an entirely new category. So if you're ever thinking about starting a company and maybe you think I'm not going to talk too much about my idea because somebody's going to rip it off, right? And go start it. That's what always happens, right? And uh, the reality is, is that it's, uh, it, you may be starting an entirely new category. So telling your story, telling your why helps people to understand this new concept and why the heck you're doing what you're doing. What problem are you solving? So that was really the beginnings of Hint. Like you have mentioned in press and in all the opportunities you've had, telling your story really gets people uh, excited about what you're doing and excited about the product because they can align with that vision and mission. And so rolling them together, you've seen a lot of success with that. Uh, one, of the, one of the themes in your book is your connections. And like you, you pull on this connection for this thing and you call this person for this thing. But what's interesting is these connections weren't just given to you. It wasn't some influential person that just connected you to the world. You literally start all these connections. And correct me if I'm wrong. This is what I got from the book. You literally start all these massive, amazing connections from working a waitressing job in Scottsdale, Arizona. <laughs> Like this is literally where it all starts, listening to other people's stories and uh, finding out where your story overlapped. Isn't that what everyone does, though? Right. You just uh, you just start talking and enjoying what you're doing every day. And no, but seriously, I think for <laughs> me, I was a I was a college student. And, um, you know, every time uh, people are making small talk. Right. And you're saying, oh, you know, what do you do? Or you I look I guess, roughly, like I'm in school somewhere. I look, I, I don't know I'd, if if I did or not, but I felt like a lot of people were asking me if I was in college or in school. And, you know, after a while, I started feeling like they're asking me what I'm doing. Maybe I should ask them what they're doing. Isn't that the polite thing to do? <laughs> and I just found that just by having that interaction, I guess today we call it engagement, right? Mm-hmm. That we're, ha- we're having that engagement. I was learning a lot. And how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years. 
helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. You know, I grew up in Arizona. My family, I was the last of five kids, super middle class. You know, we didn't travel much because when we were going anywhere, it was, you know, seven people, right? Yeah. Like it was, it was a lot of people. And you took, so, you took your own tour bus. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so I would 
kind of dream about these places like hmm. Chicago and San Francisco and New York. And I thought one day when I'm actually looking for a, a real job and like that's when I'm going to go to some of these places. And I knew the only thing I knew was that I wanted to do something that I enjoyed, that I felt like I was learning something. Uh, I wanted to make some money. And I wanted to be in a bigger city than Phoenix, Scottsdale, because I had grown up there. Sure. And that was it. And I and I was totally wide open. And so I think just by sharing my story, like what I wanted to do with people, what I found is that people generally wanted, and I still think that this is the case today, they want to be helpful. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially if they're starting the conversation with you saying, oh, you know, you're graduating from school. When are you graduating? What do you what do you think you want to do? You know, that that horrible question that you're not supposed to ask. Right. right? right. These college students. But I mean, that was the situation. And and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny the the story in particular that I share in the book is there's this guy that used to come into the restaurant all the time and. I, he asked me, he knew I was graduating and he said, uh, he said, so what are you going to do? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure. And I said, so what do you do? I've seen you in here a few times. And he said, uh, I work for Anheuser-Busch. And of course I'm a college student. I know what Anheuser-Busch <laughs> is, it's that beer company. And I was thinking uh, he doesn't, he's wearing a suit. I mean, I don't know what I expected, but I just oh, didn't, he didn't look like somebody who was, I don't know, stocking store shelves with beer. And I said, so what do you do for Anheuser-Busch? And he said, well, we film a lot of movies in, or there are a lot of films, uh, filmed movies here in Phoenix and Scottsdale. And so my job is to go on the sets and make sure that the Anheuser-Busch products are represented appropriately. I'm like, can I have that job? I mean, that just sounds amazing. I could have, I could be around Anheuser-Busch products. I sounds like a lot of fun, right? And uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, little did I, I, I mean, that to me was just this career that I just never knew existed. Sure. Nobody yeah. told me that I, when I was in school, that there was that kind of role. And, and uh, so that's when I, I, sort of half kidding, sort of half serious, I said, uh, you know, if if there's ever any openings, can you uh, can you let me know? Because I would love to apply for a job doing that. And he said, are you serious? And I said, yeah, I'm really serious. And he said, well, you'll have to go to Los Angeles to interview. And I said, fine, like that's a Southwest flight from Phoenix. I'm I'm game. And and uh, and so it started there. And what I found was just by actually being open to telling more people and communicating with more people, they would also be helpful. I have uh, a brother that is uh, that is 15 years older than me. So here I am graduating from college. A lot of his friends were, you know, in their mid thirties, they were already started. So they would be over around our house and my brother wasn't living at home, but he'd stop by on weekends and I'd start asking questions and start asking them like, yeah. what do you guys do? Yeah. And, and that's what I found was something that I guess was kind of unique, but I didn't, 
again, know that it was at the time. Yeah. So you didn't know that then. So like there is another strategy throughout the entire book, which is just call people. Just go ask them for what you want. Just approach them directly. And and that seems like a lot of people don't know that works. And that's literally how I got my first published piece in the Wall Street Journal. I just reached out to an editor and I said, hey, um, your readers do X, Y, and Z. They like this stuff. I think I have a piece that they would like. Here you go. And then they ended up saying, okay, cool. We'll run this. And that was like it. And I was like, what? That worked? And this is like a strategy you use over and over and over again. You just approach people. You ask questions. They want to be helpful. They tell you what you need to know. And then you go make a multi-million dollar business. I think you're a quarter million dollar business now, or is it higher at this point? Well, it's in sales. So it's, you know, the value of the company is greater than that. But uh, yeah, but a quarter of a billion just in That's sales. Just crazy. So, Congratulations, know, obviously. Insane. But from an, well, from an early standpoint, did you know like this was a strategy that worked or was your natural curiosity just pushing you to ask these questions? I think a little bit of both. I mean, I think it was definitely a natural curiosity. But again, growing up the last of five kids, I, I think I I had, I guess it it's an advantage. I didn't view it that way when I was younger, but uh, I was... I was constantly asking my parents, uh, teachers, you know, I was just, I was that kid, right? So don't be too hard on those kids if that's your kid that you know as well. I was just constantly asking those questions. But I found that also just kind of the, the concept of just showing up, right? The concept of whether that's a phone call or, you know, just kind of showing up when people don't actually think that you will show up is yeah. something that is pretty powerful. I mean, I, I was a competitive gymnast growing up and I remember thinking like, even when I was not competing on certain days, we didn't have to show up, but I would. Mm. Right. And I would just stand there. And sometimes I ended up competing. Like I had a bag filled with stuff with me that I could compete just, but I was just always there. Right. And sometimes opportunities come to you when you do just show up. And I think that that's been a consistent pattern throughout my life. It's so true. And like, again, I think the danger, not the danger, well, that's, I think it's a good word. The danger of someone hearing that, I think they undervalue just showing up. They're like, ah, it can't be that easy. Like that's not, it doesn't make that big of a difference, but it absolutely does. Just showing up, being on time and doing what you say you will do is a big deal. I want to talk about uh, a little later, some people who didn't say what they wanted to do or some people who didn't (laughs) do what they said they were going to do if we have time for it, because there were some people who tried to screw over Hint in the early years. And it's a really good lesson there. Hopefully we get to that. But one of the really other just things that are mind boggling to me as an entrepreneur and that you navigated with expertise was this idea. I always talk about politics over profits. And I'm not talking about mm-hmm. like Republicans and Democrats. I'm talking about, uh, you know, internal office politics or personal politics. And I'm speaking specifically of a few situations. There's the two market, I think, is the company and AOL merger and they just they wanted you to move and that was more of a priority and so you're like okay see you later and they you know there was that whole issue that there's a lawyer and he just didn't see the value in keeping you as an employee and so he let you go and the other boss is like wait a minute why would you let her go she brought in all this money and he just couldn't see the bigger picture it's like the coca-cola guy that could not see the bigger picture and i think many people though take this personally as if it's about them but in reality some people just cannot see the bigger picture. Yeah, you know, I think 
it it sort of boils down to two that I I think just sort of living your life, right? To some extent, I'm a huge believer that life just kind of ends up being what it's supposed to be. You definitely have moments where you are making decisions along the way. And I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with even showing up, like what's the worst that can happen? (laughs) Um, I mean, maybe going back to my gymnastics, maybe I don't compete that day, but maybe I'm actually there and I'm sitting next to somebody who might be interesting. I might learn something from somebody or I might be watching somebody who is doing something that I've wanted to do. I've just, I found that actually staying complacent, something I frequently say is, uh, you know, complacency will kill you, right? You're, I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. And, and so I think just having a little bit of uh, belief in in me that that things do end up working out uh, has always ended up to be the right thing. And I guess I, I would say that my my superpower is not being patient, um, right? <laughs> so I really definitely like um, to to be moving constantly. But I think that having patience in situations like the one that you're expressing and also kind of having choices and just saying, you know, the world is going to work the way it's going to work is a really important piece. But uh, so, you know, that was that was a a great example of that situation. And I think also, you know, something I guess I I can speak to having worked in in the workforce for for a while to you know it really isn't personal i mean people are just doing their jobs yeah. right mm-hmm. i mean you're definitely going to run into people along the way that don't know you it's easier for them to say no than actually say yes yeah. right it creates work um, it's true put, right and put that into your own situation but uh but again like having a belief that things actually work out the way that they're supposed to work out is really it, it, it's it leaves you a little more zen than I think most people are able to mm. kind of uh, sit allow that to to be if that makes sense yeah and there are two I think there are two ways to look at this and one way is if if this lawyer right and the executive at coca-cola you actually offered to just give them hint I think at one point um, for probably pennies on the dollar or something two ways to look at it is if they wouldn't have been so pig-headed and not seen the future and not seen the value, right? If, if they would have seen your value, Hint probably wouldn't exist as it is today, right? And you may still be with whatever company bought AOL after whatever. But the other aspect of this is for leaders out there, like, l- listen to your people. Because one of your employees may just have a billion dollar idea sitting there and we get so used to, I don't want to do the work or this will never work. Or in the words of the Coca-Cola executive, like people don't want unsweetened stuff. They just want sugary stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, you're referring to one of my, my favorite stories. It wasn't my favorite, by the way, when I was going through it, which is sort of, (laughs) uh, whenever you're going through hard situations, definitely it's, uh, you know, it's stressful. It's, you're not sure you're making the right decisions along the way. But something I've learned is that, you know, when people are putting a stake in the ground around 
a concept. For example, in the case of the soda executive, he really believed that the world wasn't necessarily looking for no sweeteners. I mean, the mothership has plenty of sweeteners in it, right? He he really had, he believed that the world was looking for a message on the can that said zero calories. Mm. And at the time, the the diet sweetener industry was about 10 calories, right? The diet Cokes that I was drinking. And, and I totally disagreed with that because here I had given up, um, you know, drinking my Diet Coke that I had been drinking for years. And so when I was hearing him describe why my idea for an unsweetened flavored water was a terrible idea and it wasn't going anywhere, um, here I'm sitting in San Francisco where I lived and it was, um, you know, he sort of was poo-pooing my idea, so to speak, saying, you know, I know you like it and you've got 10 other people that like it, but it's not going anywhere. Right. And he went so far as to say, sweetie, it's not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd never been called sweetie. My dad said to me after I told him the story, he said, I, I'm sure happy that you weren't sitting across the table from him because that probably wouldn't have ended very well. But I... <laughs> Instead, I was on the phone and I was excited because here I was listening basically to the strategy for the mm, company. Right. And I felt like I, you know, listened for the next 45 minutes as he described why I was wrong. And I thought when I hung up the phone with him, and it was a pleasant enough conversation except for him calling me sweetie, I thought, here I am at a crossroads. I either make a decision to quit, which is probably what he thinks I'm going to do, or I throw the gas on and not share any more about who this customer is that I'm seeing because he has a lot more money than I do, and it's but he has a giant cruise ship, and it's right. going to take him a long time to turn it around, but he has the ability to do that if I convince him. But going back to what I originally said, and I think that this is true for so many, you know, large companies, no matter what industry you're in, is they get so caught up in, in you know, the stake that they've put in the ground. And they've told too many people that this is what the world wants, that they can't yep, actually so slow that down. It's so and, true. Right? And so... That was that was really what I was experiencing. Hey, Kara here. We are thrilled you are listening with us, and I hope you're enjoying this episode. I've had the pleasure of interviewing so many amazing guests over the past few years, and there are so many more to come. I cannot wait. And my focus is on entrepreneurs and CEOs, real innovators and leaders who are making a difference. That's what I'm looking forward to bringing you. One of the reasons I enjoy interviewing many of my guests is that I get to learn. We all need to hear stories that teach us to be better, inspire us, and help us get through those challenging moments. I can't remember the last time I had a guest that didn't leave me feeling like a major hurdle had been overcome. We just don't hear these stories enough. And when we do, we learn to be smarter and stronger. Don't you agree? 
Episodes are concise but packed with amazing info that you will surely be inspired by. Do me a favor and send me a DM and tell me what you think about each interview that you get a chance to be inspired by. And if you are so inclined, please leave one of those five-star reviews for The Kara Golden Show on one of your favorite podcast platforms as well. Reviews really, really help. Now, let's get back to this episode. So speaking of sweetie. (laughs) Exactly. Speaking of sweetie. Uh, I think a lot of people, and you've actually received this question quite a bit, a lot of people may take that and say, like, oh, is, is this one of the reasons, is the sweetie reason, is, does that make it hard, being a woman, to raise money? This is a question you've gotten a lot. You talk about it in the book. And your redirecting response is absolutely amazing. And I wish every entrepreneur uh, <laughs> would hear this. And I'm just going, what is your response to people who tell you that or ask you that? I've, I've never been a man, so I don't know. And I, I think that, you know, people have said, is it tough to raise money as, as a woman? And, you know, truly, I think that, uh, it, it's a tough question. I hear what everybody says that it's really tough to raise money as a, as a woman. And I definitely have my own stories along the way, but if you focus on what you can't do, you're, not going to be able to do it. You have to believe that you can do it. You have to you have to have your head focused and in the space and believing that you can because if you don't believe that you can, the world sees that, right? And you believe that that you can't do it. So you will never mm. accomplish it. So I we've raised a lot of money and for hint and again did i have to knock on more doors have more meetings probably i mean it's you know you you don't really know but i think what i didn't do was focus on how hard it is and how i can't do it which i think is something that everyone needs to learn from whether you're a woman or man or fit into some sort of you know other category where where you feel like it can't happen i think it really starts with you mm. and that and again if you have to believe first and then once you believe then you have to figure out how do you accomplish your goal and not get caught in the the bad mess that is i can't do something because it's not going to be helpful right yeah i think there's a quote in there and I wish I actually wrote it down as is, and I'm not going to like sit here and filter through it. But it's, I think you said something like, uh, I'm a, saying like, I'm a woman and can't do X. It, it basically risks you putting a barrier up against yourself. And this is a, totally. this is not a good quote. I'm, I'm not, I'm, mis, I'm not doing a good, uh, doing the quote justice, but, um, what, what other self-built barriers do you think entrepreneurs are experiencing today? Well, I think the other one that I touched on earlier is, you know, you think that when the competition comes, uh, you know, whether you're starting a brand new category uh, or maybe you know that there's competition out there already and you've got a tiny tweak to make a a category better and you don't want to share it with anybody. And all of Mm. a sudden the big guys come in and 
you know, your balloon has just been deflated and you think I should just shut the door at this point because I'm not going to be able to recover. The reality is, is that competition is not such a bad thing. And I, I think people said that to me before, but it just didn't sink in until I had my own experience where there, uh, we had a situation where we were in a major retailer and doing pretty well. Um, you know, every month we were getting a little bit more space and selling a little bit more product. And then suddenly one of the big soda companies came in. They had a bigger relationship mm. with the with uh, this retailer in particular. And they came in and told the retailer to remove us. And so, <laughs> I mean, it was- Wait just, a minute, is this in the book? It was that simple. Um, actually, this story got cut from the book. Oh my gosh, that's brutal. Stories. Okay. And this happens a lot. I mean, there's something in retail called, and again, every every industry has it, but category captains, right? Mm, it's the big wow. guy. It's the big guy. And so they came in and and they uh, said, you know, we want the space. And they the retailer said, okay, it probably we didn't we weren't privy to these details, but it probably you know there was some money. Um, that was involved along the way uh, for them to be able to achieve that. Anyway, so that was a bad day. That was a really bad day. And then a few months later, we got the phone call that we were, that they wanted to put us back in. And I (laughs) was shocked. I I thought, wait, what do you mean? We We just got over the fact that we were kicked out. And they said, well, you know, that, that big company decided that they didn't want to move forward with actually creating this competitive product. And uh, they instead asked us to put in one of their older products and they wanted to take that space. But what we realized is that we have a customer that is very interested in unsweetened flavored water. And because they don't want to do it, we're not only offering you your space back, but you get more space because they, <laughs> I mean, it was a crazy conversation, right? Can you imagine sitting here listening to this that you're like, wait, huh? huh? I get more space it, now? I was out for three months and now I'm back and I have more space. I mean, that sounds great. It sounds like someone noticed the revenue loss. <laughs> they noticed the revenue loss. <laughs> exactly. And so we, yeah, and we gained that space. And so, I mean, that's a story of, you know, again, stuff happens along the way. And I, I mean, you, you feel it. It's not that it isn't a disruption, but you, you have to focus on what you can control. Right. And, and so, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Cameron. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask a, to uh, kind of chase that with another statement or another question, which is, this is another theme in the book is sacrifice and setbacks and, uh, I mean, you sacrificed early on when you were thinking about starting Hint. You sacrificed some great job opportunities. You and Theo, your husband, uh, who works for you. He's your COO, I believe. You sacrificed potentially your house. No, you actually did sacrifice your house. You sacrificed, at one point, almost all your shares uh, in the company just to see your vision through. And, you know, at this point, you've interviewed tons of other CEOs and, you know, people like... So, I, I have this... Is, is it even possible... To start a company, especially a company like your yours, 
and not sacrifice all the time over and over and over again? Well, here's the thing that I, this is my favorite speech that I give on college campuses is that it's, uh, you know, that the entrepreneur today, I think, has been over glamorized. There are way easier ways to to make more money. There were points when uh, if I would have done waitressing full time, I probably would have made more money right, right. Uh, when I was exactly. first starting. Oh, isn't that the truth? First starting hint. And, and yet I think that there is this there's this curiosity that exists amongst entrepreneurs and you know, you have to just get back up every single day, especially when you have those moments when a major retailer calls you and bumps you out of the set. You you have to figure out how do you keep moving forward? How do you not stay complacent? I think that that's the most important piece. I, I equate being an entrepreneur to to someone who loves puzzles, right? Imagine this visual mm, that... Yeah. You, you're given a puzzle, but they didn't give you the picture, right? They didn't give you the box. They just handed you a bunch of pieces. And so you're building away. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes by and grabs a handful and runs. And you're like, wait, I need those pieces in order to finish this puzzle. And, <laughs> uh, and but they're long gone. They're like, you know, or they turn around and say, no, you're not going to get them, whatever. So then you just keep building and figure out, you know, maybe it, Maybe it's just one corner that's going to be axed off. And then all of a sudden, the pieces, you find the pieces. And you don't know if they're the pieces to this puzzle. Maybe the person who took them ends up bringing them back in. Maybe you don't even need those pieces. But you just keep going and you just keep building and you find ways around it. That is the story of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hear from so many entrepreneurs and I try to have a few minutes with many entrepreneurs over over the years and I know many entrepreneurs uh and and what I find is that the key thing is is that the ideas seem really crazy until they're not crazy anymore right they're right um you know I remember meeting Hamdi when he at Chibani at his first trade show and he was doing an unsweetened uh, yogurt. Oh, fascinating. And, and this I is the CEO like, founder, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he, he had, I mean, very similar situation where he had, you know, practically a um, folding metal table. And a, I, I think he went to Hallmark and got like a, you know, cover for the table. I That's mean, it great. was really, it was super great, super bare bones. And, and again, it all starts with this idea. I mean, for for him, it was he grew up in Turkey and and that's what yogurt used to be for him. Right. And so I think people get these ideas and they have to go and and do them. And and I think, you know, that's the story of him. I, I also think that I had a bit of a competitive advantage because I had an experience with my father where I talk about it in the book and he was a frustrated entrepreneur, I mm. called him. He was never actually an entrepreneur. He worked in a large company called ConAgra, but he had developed a product line called Healthy Choice. 
and was incredibly talented and an incredible storyteller as well. And when I was in high school, here he is running one of the top products in ConAgra. And he came home from work to share with us that he had been laid off. He didn't have an MBA. And that was the 80s. Yeah, that's crazy. And it was crazy. And I just sat there and I thought, wait, I don't understand. I mean, you've been working there for 20 years and almost 20 years. And you're running this product line and you've received awards and they're letting you go for not having an MBA. And again, there was no online school. There was no chance he was, you know, in his, I think he was 56 years old. He wasn't going back to school at yeah. that point. And, and it was just what, what I realized at that point is, you know, things can happen that you don't expect to happen. And loyalty, uh, which he had so much of to this company and, you know, banked on having a pension and all of those things, they just went away. Yeah. And, and so when you are a recipient of that, um, and you know, the, the, uh, light at the end of the tunnel was that he ended up in his process of looking for a new job. Um, some of his suppliers, couldn't believe that they had laid him off for not having an MBA because they didn't even have a high school diploma. I mean, it was, it, it, these were shrimp fishermen, um, who were the suppliers for some of the healthy choice products. And after a while, I think they just got really tired of watching this and hearing (laughs) the story. So they went on strike and Niagara didn't have shrimp for like six months. I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah. And so he ultimately, uh, they called, my dad didn't put him up to it. This was all their own idea. They called in to ConAgra and said, we are happy to sell you product back on one condition that you hire Bill Keenan Hmm. back into the company. And so you know, the game didn't stop there. They basically called my dad in Scottsdale and they said, okay, we'll hire you back and we'll make an exception on one condition. You move to Omaha, Nebraska. Uh-huh. And so, and again, Omaha, Nebraska is actually a very nice place, but, and my dad didn't have a choice. I mean, he needed right. to get have his pension. He needed the salary. And so he ended up, you know, taking a risk and, and going back in. But I think there's multiple stories just in that story. Oh, gosh. I mean, there, there are multiple stories in my... I mean, we Basically, as I told you before we got started, I've, I'm like 20% of the way through my interview questions because you pack so much in this book. <laughs> so like there's there's this idea out there, just ship it. and But you have a different take on that. No, perfect uh, your delivery promise. Like perfect your basic promise first, which is super brilliant because I always scream when I hear just ship it. And I'm like, well, if it's crap... Don't ship it because that'll be the end of your company. But there are, I mean, there are so many things. There's uh, your bottlers early on tried to screw you and tried to hold your product hostage. And you have this uh, lesson about trust is extremely important. And if someone violates that trust, you have to go looking elsewhere because it's never going to stop. 
There's the mold issue you had to deal with. There's the recession. There are discount demands. And here's the craziest thing is when I had your product, which I adore, and I gave it to my wife, she hates sparkling water. And yeah. she drank hint. She's like, oh, my word, this is really, really good. It took, you know, one sip and she was a fan. I love the product. I see the advantage. But, you know, how hard is it just to add a little fruit flavor to water? And when you read the whole story, it's brutal. Like you need yeah. preservatives. You like bottle temperature. This crazy. And your husband, uh, Theo, solved one of those problems with an espresso machine, which is absolutely great. So if you want to hear those stories, everybody, you have to pick up the book. Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint, author of Undaunted and host of The Kara Golden Show. Kara, thanks for being on the show. How can people connect with you? Of course, they should obviously buy the book 100% by Hint. But how can they connect with you? Oh, thank you so much, Justin. Uh, Kara Golden, all over social media platforms. And yeah, and it's also on Audible as well. So it's called Undaunted, um, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. And definitely great for entrepreneurs. It's also great for people who kind of get in their own way, right? You don't have to be an entrepreneur to fall into that. Maybe you're not sort of achieving everything that you actually could be achieving because you just think you're too old, you don't have the right education, you're the wrong gender, you know, whatever that is. It's a story of proving people wrong, um, proving sort of a lot of those statements and a lot of those beliefs wrong. So hopefully you'll get a chance to reach out to me after you pick up a copy of the book or listen to the book too. Thank you so much, Kara. Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. This was awesome. I appreciate you making the time. Thanks so much, Justin. Hey, before I let you go, I have a question for you. Have you ever wondered why you have a great idea and the boss ignores you or you have a great idea and your client ignores you? It's because people don't actually see great ideas for what they are. It's it's very difficult for people. This is not unusual. It's been happening for a very long time. I think there's that I, there's always that IBM quote, Howard Aiken. It says, don't worry about people stealing your idea. If you have a great idea, chances are you'll have to shove it down people's throat. This is so true. And that is why I amplify the best ideas, companies, people, and entrepreneurs. Because I realize it just doesn't happen automatically. You need to amplify yourself. You need to create a plan, create a strategy, and execute that strategy. That's the only way it happens. Unless you get lucky and someone does it for you. That's what a lot of people always do. Like, oh, I just hit the press. Oh, I just got all this attention because I have a great product. I'm like, "Mm, you probably had someone making the connections for you or a heavy hitter doing that for you. If you want to know how to do that, I have a newsletter that's focused on only that. Plus, I give a free PDF out. It's a 10-day get more press, get more earned media, get in the press guide in just 10 days. It's totally free. I'll send it to you right now. Just go to justinkbrady.com slash access. justinkbrady.com slash access. Just a first name, just an email address, and I'll send it to you right now. And thank you for listening and hopefully at this point subscribing to The Justin Brady Show. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, But achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Undaunted. 
Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.